Welcome to episode 22 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 6, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. Corey, how you living, sir? Brad, I have a very dry, bad dad joke to open the show with. Are you ready for this? I am I'm beyond ready. Let's have it. Um, so one of my favorite things to do whenever I'm thinking of like a subhead or a strap line to whenever I'm writing a review or if I'm just talking about a game in general is to do the thing where you find a word that rhymes with the word in the title, such as Metal Gear Solid 4, more like Metal Gear Solid Boar. That's one of my favorite dumb things to do about games. And the other day, whenever I was reading your Horizon Zero Dawn review, I thought, oh, Horizon Zero Dawn, more like Horizon Zero Yawn. And then I realized that even though that game has a fucking terrible title, they proofed it so you cannot do Horizon Zero Yawn because zero yawns means you're not yawning whenever you play it. So somehow they more like proofed the title of that game despite how stupid the title is they were one step ahead of you bro they knew they knew you're gonna go for that and they're like nah denied yeah i they must be listening to the podcast or have my apartment bugged maybe they got barack obama to bug my apartment no. and tap it so uh i don't know i was just funny because i looked at your review and i read your strap on and i was like oh man i would have said more like horizon zero yawn and then i was like no that wouldn't work because that means you would be yawning zero times during the game and then i i had been had at that point so so good job gorilla for proofing proofing the title of that game those guys are sharp over there and it's interesting that you bring that game up because i'm gonna bring that game up in just a few minutes <laughs> in just a few minutes but before we get into that, and before we get into the show proper, a uh, couple of housekeeping things. Basically, a couple of apologies to our listeners. <laughs> uh, first, we are so sorry that we cor- incorrectly identified the last show as episode 20. <laughs> that is totally not true. We totally lied. That was absolutely incorrect. We didn't figure it out until after we had recorded, but we did finally figure it out. So, mistake. We, we admit to that. It was our... Inability to count basic numbers. Um, <laughs> last episode is 21. This episode you're listening to now is indeed actually correct, episode 22. So sorry for that confusion. Also, apologies for having the show later uh, later than usual. Uh, we have been kind of missing our days. We usually record on Sundays. And as has happened in the last month or so, real life has yet again interfered with our recording schedule. Uh, this time the delay is on me. I will explain in a minute, uh, but let's just let's just skip all this again. Sorry, 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 but thank you for coming back. Um, and let's just go ahead and get into the banter. So, Corey, uh, why don't you go first tonight, sir? What do you want to bant about? I feel like we haven't talked in a really long time, but at the same time, I also feel like I don't have anything super relevant to discuss for banter. Um, the only thing that's kind of weird is that. Uh, I like we've discussed on a few shows now the fact that I'm going to be relocating to New Orleans soon. Well, Patrick flew out to New Orleans on Friday. So I am in Omaha, Nebraska by myself for the next week or it's about 10 days total from the day that he flew out. So like I get to experience like a faux bachelorhood vibe right now where I'm just like home alone every day and 
not like I went out and bought like a frozen pizza for dinner the other night and I got like Chipotle for lunch today and I and I have been like you know drinking wine and beer for no reason and I'm just like hey you know this is I'm living like the bachelor lifestyle right now I've never really had this before so kind of dabbling in it for the next week before I move out to New Orleans as well are you aboard of it yet bored of it is that what you said yeah are you tired of it yet or are you still you still liking it uh i feel like my problem with being home alone and this also happened a long time ago patrick used to work 12 hour shifts and he would either do days or nights and this would happen whenever he's gone for long stretches of time is like some if i'm home and there's company here or if he's here or whatever you know it's always in the back of my mind where i'm thinking about like oh you know i would love to be playing video games right now or i'd love to be doing whatever i want to do or you know watching like a tv show that maybe i want to watch that patrick doesn't want to watch and then it never fails that the second i am home alone and have all of this free time to do whatever i want and anything i want you can bet your ass that i will sit on my couch and stare at my phone and go back and forth between like four different social media apps for like two hour chunks. And then I'll look up and be like, what about all those video games I wanted to play? Like, I need to be playing those games. I need to be getting caught up on, you know, this TV show or whatever. Maybe I need to be writing about some video games right now that I'm reviewing. But no, I I fantasize about all these things I want to do. And then when I actually have the time to do them, I just sit on my ass and stare at my phone all day. It's really easy to get distracted when you don't have all these other things going on. This is funny, dude. This reminds me. Um, well, I guess I guess let me let me let's back up a little bit. This is kind of interesting. Have you ever lived on your own? Is this the first time you lived on your own, or you've have you always had like a partner, or roommate? I have always. Um, there was a small stretch my freshman year of college where, in my dorm room, my very first dorm room, whenever I moved in to the dorms, um, my roommate that I had was a year older than me, and he moved out about a month or two into the semester and I had the dorm room to myself for the rest of the semester, which was amazing. Cause you know, I got to like push the beds together and have an extra big bed and rearrange the room however I wanted. And I didn't have to worry about another person there. Um, but because it was in a dorm, I feel like it didn't really count that much. But other than that, I have always lived with at least one or two people at a time. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I usually have had like, uh, living with my brother or, you know, I've always had, um, uh, you know, my ex-wife or my current wife or whatever. But there was a patch when I was living on my own as a bachelor. And that was the first time that I was, you know, just had the place completely to myself. And, you know, at first I was like super excited and I thought that was really cool. And I was living in a new area where I didn't know a lot of people. So I was kind of free to do just whatever I want. I didn't have a lot of obligations. And the big, the big way that I celebrated um, that aloneness or that independence was I found... Um, picture of like some naked chick that I thought was really hot and I used that for my screensaver on my computer and I didn't have to like be afraid someone was going to come see it because that's <laughs> the only person that lived there and oh then I sat there and I'm like yeah I can do whatever I want in this place fuck yeah and then I was just really lonely and then I'm like I sad and I just needed some <laughs> friends <laughs> and then the fun was over <laughs> but but you had that naked chick on your computer yep. so it was all worth it <laughs> yeah just for like half an hour I was like yep independent guy right here living the dream and <laughs> that was that was as far as i took it so <laughs> wow <laughs> i know you're jealous right i know i know totally i want naked chicks all over my computer <laughs> i i bet you don't but <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else to banter about my friend uh i don't 
I don't think so. That's probably it. My life has been extremely uneventful lately. I've just been, I feel like I talk about photographing people all the time on the show and I'm sure people are sick of hearing about it, but because I'm moving to uh, New Orleans soon, all the guys that I photograph for the parkour group here, I've been trying to like fit in photo shoots with them. And I took some pictures of one of the guys. He's got like a really good Spider-Man costume that he does like birthday parties and events for. I photographed him last week and there's another guy who just finished building a Deadpool costume and I'm photographing him tomorrow afternoon. So I'm like super duper excited about that stuff, but that's pretty much it, I think. I saw those shots. Those are pretty cool. If uh, you're listening to the show and you have not seen Corey's shots, he's a pretty good, pretty good photographer. He's got some pretty cool uh, parkour photos in his, his timeline on Twitter. You should go check it out. You got Instagram too, or is it just Twitter where you post that? Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. My username is just my first and last name, Corey Motley with an E in both of them. Right on, right on. All right, cool. Um, I'll bant a little bit here. Um, And getting back to why we're late with the recording. So this one's on me. I had a week long, or not week long, but my entire weekend was taken up by um, a workshop that my wife and I had to do uh, for foster care. I've talked about it on the show before. I'm not going to get into it now, but we just had like our entire weekend was was full of that. Uh, Really interesting stuff. Really good knowledge. Um, we're inching ever closer to actually like being complete with the program. So we're very, very close. But that took up the entire weekend. And I knew I would not have enough juice left in me to record. Uh, so we delayed it by a day. You know, work too. I mean, just really, really busy. Um, so there was that. But no, the thing that I wanted to banter about. Um, we don't usually talk game-related stuff. But I will kind of talk about game-related stuff. And this is getting back to Horizon, which you so... Uh, elegantly set me up for uh, a little bit <laughs> earlier. Um, apparently, there's there's assholes on the internet. Did you, have you heard this, Corey? What? There Did are you... assholes on the internet? Yeah, I'm just finding this out. I never knew. Did you oh, know? Weird. I had no idea. Oh, man. So here's the deal. Uh, it's Okay, so backing things up way, 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 way back. Uh, Game Critics, where I'm the editor, uh, we do not believe in the review scale where like 7, 8, and 9 or 10, or even 8, 9, 10 is the only numbers that get used. And 8 is not average at our site. We've really kind of pushed back against that. And at our site, 5 is average. Like, we look at that as, like, the center of the numerical scale. 5 is just middle of the road. It's fine. Um, That's caused us, you know, various arguments and grief over the years. Whatever, whatever. But games are games. It's a review. It's not a big deal. So, anyway, um, I reviewed... Horizon Zero Dawn, and if you've been listening to the show, you you heard a couple episodes ago, I was really, really high on it for the first, you know, maybe six or eight hours, loved it, and then after that, it really took a nosedive, and it got really, really boring, and I really fell out of love with it pretty hard. So, I posted my review, and my review was not the lowest on Metacritic, shockingly. Um, There were other people who liked the game even less than I did, but I was near the bottom of the scale, and pretty much constantly... Ever since that review went up, I have been hearing very vocal opinions from people who are very unpleasant on the internet. Um, this is not something new to me uh, because, you know, we we tend to score lower than the average on Metacritic because we tend to use the entire review scale. So we always get these cranky people who, for whatever reason, you know, you don't like their particular game. It's like you're shitting in their Cheerios or something and they need to let you know about it. But man, it has been a long time since I have had, like, the fiery outbreak of really unpleasant people uh, that Horizon has. It's been a while since I've had so much hate thrown my way. And I, you know, I got to say, did not miss it. Did not miss it. So (laughs) that was kind of shitty. Not a fun time. 
And there's a couple of really, really like focused, very unbalanced and very dedicated individuals who really want me to know how they feel about Horizon and how it's the best game ever. And that's great. If you like Horizon, that's awesome. I, you know, as uh, my friend, uh, what is his name? Yeah, my good friend. I don't even know what his fucking name is. God. Ah, uh, Gary from <laughs> the uh, guys. Uh, Gary Butterfield is his name. Thank you. From the uh, Bonfireside Chat and the Duck Feed podcast. Um, he says something about along the lines of like, if you like a game and I don't, it's like, I can't take that from you and I wouldn't if I could. And I've always thought that was a great way to say it. Like, if, if you like a game that I don't like, I can't take that enjoyment away from you and I don't even want to. I'm just simply sharing my opinion, right? So um, I just feel the need to say that uh, if you're listening to this and you have, have sent me a line about Horizon, I doubt you have because people listening to our show are probably pretty cool. Um, but it's just an opinion. My opinion's my opinion. Your opinion's your opinion. And that's all it is. It's just an opinion. And please stop emailing me because it's getting really fucking old. <laughs> um, interesting thing that happened, though, was uh, this guy who I guess is on the Hot 97 radio program, Hip Hop Gamer. Do you know Hip Hop Gamer? I have heard his name in the ethos a few times, but I don't think I've ever taken the time to actually look him up and probably for good reason. Yeah, I don't really recommend it. Um, but for whatever reason, he came across my my review and he's got a you know pretty good number of followers. He's a pretty well known dude. Maybe not in my circles particularly, but he's you know he's a, he's a known person. Uh, and he decided to take the fight to me, and he he tried to get all his followers to like dogpile on me. He sent me these really shitty tweets and was you know bringing everybody or bringing me to everybody's attention. But the interesting thing was that despite how crass he was being and he was being really rude, um, his followers actually ended up being really cool people. They there's a couple of people that were nasty, but like they were the minority. Most of them were telling him to fuck off and leave me alone because it's fine to have an opinion. And they were telling him to back down. And, you know, he tried to get everybody like on my case and it totally backfired. And I thought that was really cool that the people who listen to him like were fine with other people having opinions. They were fine with a difference of opinion. That was great. And a lot of people reached out and said, hey, you know, sorry, you're going through this. And it's cool. I don't disagree. I mean, some of them disagreed with me, but they still said, no, hey, you know, like I disagree, but that's fine. We can disagree. And it's no it's no big deal. So. Anyway, shout out to Hip Hop Gamer's followers because they were actually really cool people. Um, no shout out to Hip Hop Gamer. He was not very cool. <laughs> and yeah, I'm ready to move on past Horizon. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, talking about something else for a while because you know what? I just didn't like that game. That's all there is to it. Boom. Anyway, enough of that shit. Now that our banter's out of the way, it's time to get into the good stuff, our weekly weekly conversation about what's going on what we're playing what we're into um i just talked a lot Corey, why don't you start off the show and what have you been playing let's let's talk about some games what do you got i have been playing um the first most important game i'm playing is a game called here they lie it is a first person kind of psychological horror game um I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before. I know I've mentioned it on the Game Critics podcast, but uh, I think I learned about it at E3 last year. And it launched as a PlayStation VR title in October. It's by a development group called The Tangentlemen, and th this is the first game they've done. I don't know. I didn't look them up individually to see if they come from other like well-known studios or anything, but um, it's, a, it's a small, I, I think small, development crew. Um, this is the first game was a PSVR launch title. I was really excited about this game last year because it looked right up my alley. You know, first person, like dingy, survival horror, kind of walking simulator-esque. 
but I did not buy a PSVR. Um, I might somewhere down the line, so I haven't been able to play it yet. But then, like a gift from the heavens, you yourself, Brad, DM'd me on Twitter the other day and said, hey, did you hear that they are adding non-VR support patch for Here They Lie, which is something I was really hoping that they were going to do. And they did. So I was able, through you uh, and your good graces, to nab a review code for it, to review it for uh, for like the non-VR version, I guess. And it's not, um, to be clear, it's not a separate game. It's just the exact same game, but now it's compatible with and without VR, kind of like Resident Evil 7, I guess. Um, and I have been playing that uh, mostly for the past... I mean, I guess I've only sat down with it twice. It's a pretty short game, uh, about five hours. I actually beat it last night, and I've only sat down with it about three separate times. Um, and I have to say, it started uh, It started off really strong. Um, I, I've spent most of today writing about the game, actually. My review is almost drafted, so I feel like everything's like up in my head right now. Like I, I feel well-versed on it because I finished it last night, and I've been drafting my review for like a couple of hours now. Um, it started off really strong. It's a, you play as this sort of, it's first person, you play as like a nameless, uh, kind of like older white guy. Um, and he is on a train, the train arrives on a deserted platform. And from the get-go, the the environment has a very distinct flavor. It's sort of like, it's not black and white, but it's sort of like sepia toned, like kind of like a grayer, um, like dingy sepia tone. And there are certain things in the environment that have color, um, but they're pretty sparse. Like most of it is kind of like a grayed out, um, kind of yellowish tint. And you are, the game leads you to believe that you are after, you're trying to like reunite with a woman who I guess you used to be romantically involved with named Dana. And she shows up every once in a while in the world and you kind of like follow her. And it's the kind of game where you it's probably not based in reality like it seems like you're playing through his nightmares or through some kind of like alternate universe or something like that um as you progress through and uh i don't know do you have any questions before i move on brad um i don't think so i mean it's i mean i guess what is the thing that makes it different is it just straight up another another attempt at doing the same kind of spooky you know game that we've all kind of seen a million times or is there more of a twist to it somehow well that's kind of uh i don't know kind of like the good and bad thing there's not really a whole lot new that it does i feel like the fact that it was in vr is kind of like its own hook because playing it as just like a standard tv game it it seems very similar to games that i played before like it kind of feels a little bit like Probably like Amnesia 2 is probably the closest thing I can compare it to, which is a good thing because I really liked Amnesia 2. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it's good. It does a lot of things really well, and then it does a couple of things not very well at all. Um, like the sound design and the visual design of the game, I think, are its strongest assets because uh, like most uh, video games are rendered in you know full color, probably as realistic as they can be as far as like you know, if we're taking like Layers of Fear, for instance, is another first-person game that's very similar to this, and it looks very, very, very real. But because this one is grayed out, it makes the visuals a lot more distinct. And the thing that I like about this game, too, um, other than its good sound design, is that it has a lot of character models in the game, and that sounds like a very shallow compliment to give a game. But there's a trend in these sort of like first-person, kind of like survival, psychological horror games, where 
they don't they don't have character models and usually i mean it's probably because character models are hard to make and they're hard to animate and they take a lot of time and smaller development studios usually make these kind of walking simulator games um because like the vanishing of ethan carter um has like one character model uh dear esther i don't think has any character models layers of fear has like one or two um pt has like one or two um and they're very briefly shown but this game they are all over the place and they uh, they are mostly these humanoid figures with these, like, animal masks on their head. Like, some of them are, like, wolves or zebras or mice or cats. And they sort of, like, prowl around the environment. And some of them will hurt you and some of them won't. But the nice thing that I like about the game is that it kind of keeps its cards, like, close to the vest. Where it doesn't always... You don't always know exactly how somebody's going to react to you whenever you're walking past them. And I feel like if you're playing in VR, that would be even more scary because you have to... There are certain sections of the game where you have to get very close to people. And if you have the VR goggles on, they're going to be, like, right up in your grill. And if you don't know how they're going to react to you walking past them, I'm sure it's a lot scarier. But it was even scary not in VR. Um, And they don't speak in words. They make, like, grunts and howls and, like, hoots and hollers and moans. And so they sort of, like, get their language across through, like, the motion capture body language and through these, like, weird grunts that they make. So it's very, um, I don't know, it has a very Silent Hill-esque thing to the world design and the animal design where you can tell that everything going on is drenched in some kind of, like, nightmare symbolism because there's like a red light district area where it's all grayed out but like the neon signs are in like a bright red and there's like little uh cabinets where there's like the animal people are supposed to be kind of like stripping sort of and so there's maybe like some weird sexual tension symbolism going on which i'm like super down with because that's very silent hill 2-esque of it um but it doesn't like the narrative threads that it has going on just don't really pay off that well whenever it comes to the end of the game like i feel like 10 gentlemen have a lot of good like environmental design and sound design and like character design um and good imagination under their belt but when it comes to making like a cohesive story maybe it's not as good and that's coming from someone who likes an ambiguous story like i love an ambiguous story but this is like a little too ambiguous or it might be maybe that the game is smarter than I am and it has so much symbolism going on that maybe I just don't get it. So it's like one of the two, like the game is too smart for me and I'm dumb or it's just not good storytelling and I'm not as dumb and I, I can't quite figure out exactly which one it is. Well, okay. So a couple of things. Um, there have been various games over the years that kind of like take the angle of like, I'm so smart. I'm not going to explain anything to you. And if you don't understand it, it's because you're dumb and you're not worthy to understand my game. (laughs) And I take real issue with that because it takes no skill at all for someone to know something that someone else doesn't and to not tell it. I mean, there are so many bits of knowledge in the world, so many tacks you can take. Uh, It's, it's not hard to just have something in your mind as a developer and simply not share that. Or you give clues that you think illustrate the, what you're trying to get across But it's clear to you because you know what you're trying to get across. It may not be clear to other people. I think it takes a much more skillful hand to get those things across in a clear and concise way to players, especially so when you want to be cryptic, but not not so cryptic that people can't understand what's going on, but to be kind of evocative or to be intriguing. Um, I think that there is definitely a skill in teaching players or showing players or communicating to players, letting them in just enough. Um, You know, if you don't want to give everything away, that's fine, but letting them in enough to get get a toehold and get a feel for what's going on 
Uh, those developers that are so arch that they don't let you in, I, I do not think that's a smart way to go. I don't think it's a good design. So if that's what they're doing, that's poor, and I don't like that kind of stuff. Um, and just to be clear, I haven't played this. I'm just kind of speaking in general. <laughs> um, but question, though. So when you're describing the walking around and the animal stuff, I did see some pictures you had tweeted. and the so, Okay, so a couple things. Number one, are they animal people, or are they people with animal masks on? What are they? <laughs> I think they are people with animal masks on, I think. Okay, that's weird. And then secondly, <laughs> as you were describing that, it kind of made me think a little bit of Manhunt. Have you ever played Manhunt? Is that is there any oh, yeah. corollary to this? Is that anything I mean, there? I mean, I like Manhunt an awful lot, but it is not really like Manhunt. No, okay, think. okay. Just a stab in the dark there. It kind of, from what you're describing, kind of sounded like that, but no, nothing, nothing there. No, I kind of see where you're getting that. I hadn't thought of that until now, but um, I, I see the correlation from the way I explained it, but it's not really like Manhunt at all, I don't think. Okay, so anyway, you're playing this game, you get to the end, not really a super satisfying conclusion. So, I mean, did you walk away thinking that this was just um, a horror game that was trying to cash in by being on VR? Because that's kind of what it sounds like its hook was. Like, maybe it didn't have a real hook, but the hook was VR. Is that is that fair to say, do you think? It seems a little bit like that. I mean, the good news is that the game certainly feels like more than just a VR tech demo because a lot of early VR games don't feel like full-scale releases. And this game actually feels like a full release. Like, if I didn't know this around PSVR at all and I played it, it would feel like a full game. Um, And it doesn't do a whole lot of, like, in-your-face, like, VR bullshit like Resident Evil 7 does. Like, Resident Evil 7 is full of, like, oh, we're going to do this gross-out stupid VR stuff because we know the game's supposed to be in VR. And Here They Lie doesn't do that, which is a really good thing, in my opinion, because it's really hokey and, like, lame. And it it doesn't feel like like a VR tech demo, but I feel like that's kind of it's basically main selling point, I guess. But uh, I, 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 even though I, I have reservations about this game, I still think it's pretty good. And I'm really, really looking forward to what uh, Ten Gentlemen do next for the next game. I kind of hope that they just do another first-person horror game after this. Um, or maybe, I mean, I don't know if they could do a sequel to it necessarily, but uh, I feel like they have a really good foundation that shows a good skill set of stuff they can do. And I just hope that they do it better next time gotcha gotcha oh one more one more quick question i forgot to ask combat no com- it sounds like no combat is there no combat in this there is no combat but there are fail states in the game um so you can because some walking simulators you like absolutely cannot die at all but uh this game definitely has some fail states and there's some strategic like like there are some enemies that sort of patrol and you have to like move and sneak around their patrols um but there is no actual combat okay all right cool um, okay, so I haven't really been sold on it. I mean, not, not like it's your job to sell me on it, but knowing that I'm not super inclined to horror games in general, I mean, I will check them out if there's some kind of a cool hook. It doesn't sound like there's really a cool hook. Would you recommend this to somebody like me who's kind of a horror novice, or would you say just to people who play every horror game? Like, how would you how would you recommend this? I would recommend it to people who play horror games regularly, um, or people who own PSVR who are into horror games. And I also, but I think I would recommend it on a sale. I don't know how much it is, but I want to say it's like a little bit pricey, like $30 or something. I should probably look this shit up before we talk about it. But um, I know it's not like, you know, like a $15 game or anything, but I think it's worth it if it's on sale. The first couple of hours, uh, maybe the first like half is pretty stellar. I mean, there were, there's some environmental stuff going on and some jump scares that like made me like yelp out loud whenever I started playing it. Um, 
but it's kind of one of those games where like the more you play it the more it just kind of fizzles out toward the end i think gotcha gotcha all right well that sounds like uh maybe wait for a sale wait for a flash sale on psn or something like that so uh yeah we'll check it out we'll check it out um i'll never check it out but we'll check it out (laughs) uh anything left on uh on here they lie uh i don't think so um what have you been playing Wait, 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 I got one, one more last question. Um, oh, okay, okay. D- did they actually lie there? Like, were they here or were they elsewhere? Where did um, they lie? You know, I don't know. the 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 title could be about the main character lying because he is night. This is his nightmare world that he's in. There are some bodies that are lying down in the game at certain points, but I don't know if the title is talking about those people or not. Ah, confusing. I wanted a simple answer. Yes, they were here. No, they were not here. That's what I was looking for. Damn. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough bullshit on Here They Lie. I'll move on to my uh, my first game, which is called Loot Rascals. And man, <laughs> do I fucking hate that title. That is like the most garbage title I can think of. It's Loot... not as bad as Horizon Zero Dawn, though. <clears throat> Uh, I don't know. I mean, Horizon is kind of a cool word. I mean, I don't know. Loot Rascals? What the fuck? It's like a, uh, it's like the worst name. <laughs> when I got offered this game for review, I was like, what? you got to be... Somebody named their game? Anyway, Loot Rascals. It's by... I think they're called Hollow Ponds. And these are the people that made Hohokam, which was on PSN. And they've done a couple other things that I was familiar with, but my memory is escaping me right now. Anyway... Not super relevant, except for the fact that artistically, I think it's got some similar DNA. Otherwise, not. Uh, but Loot Rascals is a straight-up roguelike. Um, but it's a very colorful, very elegant, very straightforward and simplified roguelike, which I do appreciate, although there are some downsides to it. Um, in a nutshell, you take control of a little cute astronaut. There's like a guy astronaut or a girl astronaut. You can pick whichever one you like. And basically... You're on a terraforming mission. Uh, the robot that has the terraforming stuff uh, crashes or something. Like, stuff gets fucked up. It, mission does not happen as it's supposed to happen. So you need to go find this robot. So the ultimate goal is to find the terraforming robot and either, you know, get him back to his job or, or fix it or whatever. But along the way, you crash on the planet where this terraforming robot is. And, interestingly, there's like this weird other dimensional, like, Cthulhu meat monster that kind of talks to you. And it, it wants to help you because it wants to find out where Earth is. So it's like, oh, yeah, if you die in this game, no biggie. I'll just rewind time. I can do that. Not even a thing. But please help me by finding this robot and tell me where Earth is and let's all work together. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you pretty quickly figure out you probably should not be helping this Cthulhu thing. But at the same time, it's the thing that keeps bringing you back when you die. So you kind of have to work with it. Um, it's not really a big factor in the game, but I thought it was a pretty cool story twist. And it gave like a little extra layer to a roguelike, which, you know, roguelikes are not known for their story. So I kind of appreciated that. Um, So the game is kind of divided into two halves. The first half is you walk around the planet. It's like a hex-based grid, very simple maps um, with different items that you can, you know, encounter, monsters you can encounter. Uh, There's like a a brief day-night cycle, which determines whether the monsters you meet are aggressive or passive. And that kind of relates back to whether you're going to be successful when you attack or not. Um, There's a lot. I don't want to say there's a lot to it. Like me talking about it right now sounds like there's a lot to it, but there's really not a lot to it. And like within about five minutes, you really get what's going on. It's very clear. I really appreciate that everything is easy to see, easy to understand. Uh, All the information you need is displayed on the screen at all times. 
Very, very easy to get into it. Very, very approachable. Um, the thing that makes it great, though, is that on top of this, like, walking around turn-based combat, there is a system where when you kill monsters, they drop these cards, and these cards represent, like, uh, items or weapons. And you can go to a, your menu screen, and you have, like, a 5 by 2 grid, and you can put these cards in these slots. You can have, you know, one card will give you plus 1 attack, one card will give you plus 1 defense. Pretty straightforward, but you soon start finding cards where it's, like, gains plus 2 if it's in the top row. It loses three points if it's to the left of another card or like, you know, they start getting these weird rules where it's like, oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. I got to think about this for a second. If I rearrange these cards, if I put this one in the corner and then this one down below and then put this one over here, then all of a sudden you like triple your points or whatever. So like your attack and defense can get boosted way up if you are smart with how you arrange your cards, but it's not complicated. It's very simple. Uh, they've done a great job with the UI. Very readable, very, very easy to get into. Very straightforward. I love it. I love that part. I like it a lot, and I think it's a very great beginner's roguelike. Um, but it's not perfect, which is kind of a shame. Um, one more good thing I want to say about it is the art style is awesome. It's very abstract, very funny and lighthearted. Um, there's like all sorts of weird monsters. There's like a shark that's in a fishbowl that has a pair of legs walking around, or there's like a giant bird where its head's like an egg, and when you kill him, like the egg spills out, or there's like. All these sorts of weird, goofy, like off-the-wall abstract things. If you've uh, played Hohokam or if you're familiar with this uh, developer's work, they all kind of have a similar visual style. And it's really cool. It's kind of like, um, just, I don't know, like kind of like a dark fairy tale style or just kind of like dark nursery rhyme probably is more, more accurate. So I like, I like visual style a lot. It's very appealing to look at. Um, the parts where this game falls down is that it's so easy and s to understand and so straightforward that it's perhaps not as deep as some roguelikes are. So once you understand the game and how it works, which is, again, very easy to understand, it kind of comes down to how lucky you are on your run, which isn't really the best place for a roguelike to land. I mean, I know that people think, well, part of a roguelike's appeal is you make the best with what you've got, random drops, etc., etc., which is true, but the best roguelikes, um, you know, have multi-purpose items, or they give you some way to kind of, you know, do do more with what you have rather than just like simply attacking and defending. So once you master the system, it, it feels like there should be a little bit more depth to it because it doesn't, it's not a good feeling to know exactly what you're doing. You just can't get the drop that you need. And then you just lose because you just simply can't attack for enough or you can't defend for enough. Kind of a bummer. Um, also a bummer is that there's no saving. So if you get in the middle of a run, like they intend you to finish this game in one setting. I mean, not the first time, but like once you know what you're doing, the point of the game is to sit down and like run through like five worlds at once and then beat the game. Uh, it probably takes about two and a half, two hours. I have not beat it yet. I've made some pretty good progress, but usually what happens is I get about halfway through and then I got to go do something. I got to go to work or my kid needs something or I just need to get off the PS4. And it's like, I want to pause. And if, you know, the only way to do that is to put the actual hardware in suspend, which I don't like to do because it's just running all day long. So I'm kind of bummed there's no, like, mid-game save, which, I mean, most roguelikes have a save. It's, I mean, we're, we're human beings, right? We're not animals. I mean, we, we cannot stay at our fucking PS4s all day long, right? Um, the, other, the other major thing that I'll say before I wrap this really quick is that it's so simple and so elegant, I think they kind of missed a trick by not copying uh, recent trends in the roguelike genre where there is some sort of progression. Like, if you played something like... Um, God, Sheer and the Wanderer has some progression where, like, 
you may not beat the game, but you made it a certain distance and you unlocked a shortcut, or you unlocked a weapon for the next time, or your stats permanently stay higher, or something happens to where, you know, you didn't win, but you felt like you got something done, like you unlocked something, you made, you're going to start one step further the next time, so it kind of edges you forward, like it keeps you going. That does not exist in Loot Rascals. When you die, you lose everything, and you start over from square one, no ifs, ands, or buts. That is the end of discussion. So it's fine if you want to do a couple runs, but after a while, you're kind of like, man, I wish I was unlocking something, or I wish I could start off with better stats, or I wish I could start off with like a better weapon. Um, it, it kind of sucks that they do the really, really super traditional interpretation of a roguelike, because it's, it's a genre I enjoy, but at the same time, I, I do like some of the concessions that developers have made in recent years, and I think those are really smart. So it feels like a little bit of a step backwards, like it's almost too simple. So I do recommend it. I think it looks great. I think it's really fun to play. I think it's easy to get into. If you've never played a roguelike, this is a very simple one to get into, and I like it a lot. It's just, it's, it's just missing a couple little tweaks that really would have put it over the top. So I do, I give it a thumbs up and I recommend it to people who are interested in the genre, but I would not put it forward as the best the genre has to offer, I guess. I mean, I guess if you're a genre, a genre connoisseur, you'll definitely want to check this out. If you want to see the best of what roguelikes can do, this is probably not it. So, Corey, I know you're not a big roguelike fan. I mean, anything, anything at all that I've said about this appeal to you at all, remotely even? No? Uh, I wish you could have seen the grimace that I made whenever ah. you said meat monster earlier. <laughs> You're like, oh, this Cthulhu meat monster thing. And from that point on, like, my nose was pretty much wrinkled for the rest of what you were talking about. Oh, God. I mean, to be perfectly honest, dude, it looks like a giant alien vagina is what it oh, looks God. like. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that. I know. Too. I'm sorry. I had to say it. But it looks like a vagina with tentacles. It's really obvious. <laughs> Uh, it's got a very pleasant voice, though. It's got a very nice speaking voice, which I give it props for. But well, so this as is ten- as tentacled vaginas t- tend to do. They do have nice voices. Yeah, they're pretty good in choirs for sure. Yeah, they make good backup <laughs> singers. So I'm guessing this is not something you're going to check into. Uh, it is not. I am not into roguelikes. I respect people who are. I respect the games. I'm pretty sure the only roguelike I have ever played is Crypt of the Necrodancer, which we've talked about uh, once or twice on the show before, which. I think is a good game. That's also, like you were talking earlier, a good... That game gives you a good sense of progression because even if you try a dungeon five times and lose, you can still earn money. You can still unlock more weapons or more um, things to put into weapon boxes when you get back into the dungeon to try it again. So I like that. Um, But uh, I will probably never, ever play Loot Rascals, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm enjoying it, I am enjoying it. I, you know, like I said, I, I don't really recommend it for people who are not like already familiar with the genre. Um, it looks real pretty and it's really attractive, but yeah, I could see a lot of people getting cold on it pretty quick. I mean, I think there's a lot, a lot to like about it. So if you swing that way, check it out. Otherwise, probably steer clear. So that's all I've got to say about Loot Rascals, except for again, I hate the name Loot Rascals, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Corey. <laughs> Let us let's let's shift back to you, sir. Uh, I heard you took a trip to Japan. Tell us all about it. I did. I much to your excitement, I'm sure. I finally got Yakuza Zero in the mail, and I have been playing it um, for the past like week or so. Do tell. You know, Brad. I don't know if I'm gonna be into this game. Okay, not surprising. Not surprising. I kind of uh, figured, but but tell me more. Tell me more. All right. Well, the thing. Okay. 
I, I've never played a Yakuza game before, so let me just start that, which I know you said and everybody says this is the right place to start because it's Yakuza 0. Where else would you start? Um, and I, like, this game is kind of, like, an anomaly to me because, like, the things that I complain, that are the things that I might complain about it about are things that I don't necessarily have, like, an answer for to fix. It's just kind of, like, stuff that I don't like um like you you get into the game and there is a fucking fuck ton of cutscenes and cutscenes and cutscenes and dialogue that you have to read through and click through and you play for five minutes and then there's a 30 minute cutscene and you play for 10 minutes and there's a 30 minute cutscene and the whole time i kept thinking if i wanted to play a game like this that i liked i would just put metal gear solid 4 in and play that again because i like that game and it has a lot of cutscenes but i actually am so invested in the story at that point that i actually care about the cutscenes whereas yakuza 0 I'm just, I know that Pete, this is like, this is like the, what, like the seventh game in the series, but it's the ultimate prequel. So people like you who have been playing the games, you understand the characters, you're already invested in them. But as a first time player, I kind of like don't care about any of the characters. Like, I mean, there, there's not really anything interesting about them so far. And the story doesn't really seem that interesting so far. It's like, the main character gets like framed for murder and then like tries to get out of the yakuza so he can like solve the murder on his own kind of like that's the beginning story beats that i picked up um but i think one of my problems with it uh, initially was that i kept waiting for the game to open up a little bit and i'm not like uh, like i i knew going in that this wasn't going to be like grand theft auto or like sleeping dogs or something like it's not the kind of game where it just drops you into the world and you get to go do a million side missions and you know pick when you want to do the main missions and that kind of stuff which is fine but i feel like it took a little bit too long to get to the point where it opened up because i finished um like the chapter one the other night and by the time i finished chapter one i was like man you know i just don't really think i'm gonna play this anymore like i'm not really that into it there's way too much dialogue there's way too many cutscenes. the combat is like it's basically just like a brawler with really long cutscenes, and i was like i just am not really that into this and then i you know i sucked it up and i put the game back in the other night and i started on chapter two and chapter two is whenever the game really kind of starts to open up it's like the first part in the game where you don't have like a concrete waypoint objective and suddenly it's just like you need to go talk to people and investigate this thing that you're supposed to be investigating and you can just run around the city and talk to people and run into little side quests and stuff and i actually was liking it a little bit more whenever i played it the other night and it finally kind of opened up into something a a little bit freer i guess for me um but uh i mean that's not to say that it's like bad or anything because you know like i said i wasn't expecting this to be like a first-person shooter or Grand Theft Auto or even, like, a third-person shooter for that matter. But, um, I mean, the only stuff that I'm picking up so far is that it's basically just, like, a brawler with a lot of dialogue. Um, What do you have to say in response to that, Brad? No, I mean, I I totally hear what you're saying, and that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I definitely am uh, starting Yakuza 0 more invested because I've played the other games. And, you know, to be fair, I do think that some of the other game not all but some of the other games do start a little peppier like they kind of get you into it a little bit quicker especially like the very first one i think that that goes pretty well um so i totally get where you're coming from and and you know having been a series veteran i kind of know where the game is going so i know to kind of be prepared to like get through the slow parts but i do concede it is a very slow start like uh 
you spend quite a bit of time with one character and that, you know, you're not wrong. I mean, there's a lot of story. There's a lot of cutscenes. Um, I think the writing is really good. I mean, I think if you go into it expecting a crime drama, I think it really delivers if you give it time to unfold. But I, I do not disagree with you a bit. Uh, once you get past that part, then you go to the second main character and it kind of like starts over with him, which I think was kind of not necessary. Um, introducing him is fine, but like some of the systems are kind of like uh, introduced again and they kind of cover some of the same territory. It's a very slow start. So I, I, I feel you like I feel it for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like once you get past. Okay, so I don't want to be that guy where I'm like, oh, you didn't get to the good part yet. Like I don't, I'm not that guy. Like if I am not that guy, if you are not feeling it, I say bail. Like that's totally respectable. I don't I don't ever tell people to like hang in there if they're not liking the game. So don't don't feel like you need to force yourself. But I will say that like once you get past the extremely long and slow opening part, which is true, um, it really does open up more. There's tons of stuff to do. Like there's all sorts of side quests, like even more than you've seen so far, like tons more where you can like race uh, slot cars or you can go to batting cages or you can uh, go watch softcore porn or you can go and uh, like make friends in different shops and you can do these fighting missions. And I mean, there's there's tons of stuff. And really that game is it's kind of split down the middle. One half is a very super serious Japanese, heavily Japanese crime drama. Uh, you know, Yakuza life. What's it like to be living the life, etc., etc. And the other half is like, oh my god, this is so goofy. I spent an hour um, trying to get one of those toys out of those claw machines, <laughs> or you know, I wanted to hit a home run at the batting cages, or I wanted to do you know X Y Z. So like, it's really split into those two halves. And I think that there's there's really like a lot there. Um, but I do agree that it does not get to it quick enough, and that if you don't know what this game is. I, I think it can be very off-putting to newcomers. Agreed, for sure. I, I hear you. I also think it's weird that the, they have, like, three different styles of cutscenes. Like, some of them are, like, fully voiced cutscenes that are, you know, fully animated, fully voiced. Some of them, there's no voices at all, and you have to just, like, tap through the text on the screen, kind of like an older Final Fantasy game. And then some is, like, a mix of the two, where they, like, might say a few lines, but you still have to like scroll through them and they might do like body movements and stuff. And I think it's weird that they have like three different kind of dialogue styles in the game. I know that's a really like nitpicky thing to talk about, but it just kind of struck me like why they couldn't just stick with like one kind of dialogue option, I think. No, I think that's a fair criticism. I mean, I think that's uh, it's a very jarring and weird when you see it, but I think, I think part of it is because it's such a huge game. Like maybe, you can't get a full scope of how big it is, but it's a really like massive game. And I'm sure that there were several different teams working on different aspects. And then, you know, they didn't have enough money to do fully animated cutscenes for like every single thing, because I mean, that would be like so many cutscenes, you know, like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like it feels like a hodgepodge at times. That's for sure. I think it's just, it's just a giant fucking beast. Yeah. Well, I did do one side mission, uh, I think yesterday or the day before that I was playing that I actually thought was hilarious because I think the writing goes back and forth from being like really funny and sharp to being just like kind of like dull crime drama because I'm not that invested. But I did the side mission where you find like the hardcore band members and they're not hardcore at all and they want you to teach them how to be hardcore. Oh, the Yankees. Yes, I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was, like, laughing my ass off during that entire side quest because each of them, like, they're, like, supposed to be hardcore and you have to, like, tell each one of them how to act. And 
for like the second guy that gives you like three or four options to tell them like what to act, like how to act and what to say during a press conference after their performance and i was like well say that you rescue puppies and it seemed like such a lame thing to say but the crowd like totally ate it up they were like oh he's so cool he what a cool guy he rescues puppies what a bad motherfucker and i was just like <laughs> laughing so hard whenever they were doing the press conference because it's so absurd but it's actually pretty funny writing yeah, there's definitely there's a good amount of humor in that series. Like people don't necessarily pick up on it right away, but like if you if you play the B side of that game, which is not the crime drama side, there's a lot of really funny shit. Like I think there are some genuinely humorous moments too. And also like a lot of educational shit. It sounds weird to say, but like there's a lot of truth reflected in that game and a lot of cultural stuff that westerners just don't really know about like the hostess clubs or like those guys you just described the Yankees. I mean, that's like an actual subculture in Japan that I never learned about until I had played um, Yakuza, one of the earlier games. And I, I was like, this is so weird. I'm going to see if this is a real thing. And like, sure enough, it was a real thing. So, <laughs> you know, there's actually quite a bit of learning that can be done if you are interested enough to kind of Google some of that stuff. So I have a lot of respect for the series. I love the series. I do think it's one of the most unique and special games out there. But I, I get how it is not everybody's cup of tea, uh, for sure. It sounds like you're maybe ready to send it back to Japan. Is that kind of where you're <laughs> at right now? Uh, you know, I might actually give it, like, one more shot, and this is going to be a backhanded compliment, but, like, considering I finished Here They Lie and I finished the Deus Ex DLC that we talked about on the last episode, I kind of, like, don't really have a whole lot else to play right now, and it's not, like, a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, so I could definitely see myself putting it in, like, maybe one or two more times, and then if I'm still, like, not feeling it after that, then I'll probably send it back, but I think I'll definitely give it another shot. I just am not, like in love with it and i'm not like i don't know the writing's pretty funny here and there but like i'm not in love with all the cutscenes. i'm not in love with the character development i'm not in love with the combat system i think the combat system is not very good um and so but i i mean it's not like awful so i will probably give it one or two more shots and then if i'm still not feeling it then i will send it not back to japan but back to gamefly whichever distribution center is closest to me like kansas city or something yeah, yeah. I mean, don't feel bad if you need to send it back. I totally get that. But if you are going to give it another chance, I realize that the section that you're in right now doesn't give you a whole lot of freedom. But if you do, like, walk the streets uh, and avoid, like, the next quest marker, you, you, you will bump into some people and you'll open up a few things. It's a pretty slow drip feed at first, but you'll see some stuff. Maybe check those out. If those don't take you, go ahead and send it back. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So it's like, you know, just like I wouldn't recommend a foreign film to everybody. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend a horror film to anybody, just anybody. You know, like I would I want to know the person and recommend something that fit. And, you know, not everything is right for everybody. Same holds true here. Well, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll try it. I'll probably I don't know. I might play some more tonight. We'll see. I or maybe I'll do that thing where. Like I said at the beginning of the show, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play so much Yakuza Zero tonight, and then as soon as we get done with the podcast, I'm just gonna sit on the couch and stare at my phone instead for like four hours. Very possible. Very possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we've covered Yakuza Zero. Um, one more game to get into. Uh, so kind of a an odd one. Uh, this, this is, is kind of boobies game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But before <laughs> we get into the boobies, um, so like let's let's just. Let's get off the script for a second here. Let's just talk about <laughs> let's just talk about us as people. Um, have we talked about sad vampires in the show? We did talk about that, didn't we? Uh, no. We didn't talk about sad vampires. I don't think I know what this is. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, people don't live for an infinite amount of time. I mean, this is a known fact. Everybody dies at some point, right? So, like, whenever I'm watching a vampire movie, 
It really pisses me off, or it makes oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah, right. We did talk yeah, about. Yeah, we this. did I'm talk sorry. about. It. Okay, good. We did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is the sad vampire thing, where it's like, if I was a vampire, like I would be happy because I would have infinite time to go through all my game backlog and all my book backlog and all my movie backlog and everything that I ever wanted to do. I'd have enough time to do it. That would be super cool. Uh, yeah, like I would be, I would be like the happiest vampire ever, right? So I'm not a vampire, and I'm not going to live forever. No one's going to live forever, as far as I know. Uh, and so that means that when we play games, sometimes it's just not worth putting time into games. Like I know a lot of young guys coming up feel like they got something to prove. They want to cut their teeth and show that they're tough enough. And, you know, they've got some kind of weird moral code about, oh, finish every single game because that's what real gamers do or, you know, whatever bullshit that they're on. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> was I, was I like that back in the day? I probably was. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I, you know, we've all gone through that phase at some point, but after a while, you just kind of realize, you know, uh, I mean, like, like we're all on a, we're on a countdown clock, right? Like, I mean, you, you imagine your life, like every second ticking away is one less second that you're on earth. It's, it's eventually coming. I mean, you know, mortality is a thing. So it's like, do I really want to spend my limited time on some fucking game that like is just not fun? I, you know, and the answer <laughs> to me these days is no. Like I just, if I'm not enjoying something, I just, I bail. Um, and that's pissing a lot of people off. I mean, this kind of loops back to the horizon thing. I mean, the big thing that people are ragging on me about is that I didn't finish the game. I put like 18 hours into the game, which I feel like is, I mean, it's past the halfway point, And I feel like that's more than enough to have an opinion. And at Game Critics, as you well know, sir, at the bottom of all of our reviews, we put uh, disclaimers, which tell people exactly how long we played the game. Did we finish the game or not? Was there multiplayer? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We tell people like pretty much everything that they need to know about the review so that they can judge for themselves whether they want to know. I mean, whether they whether they value that review or not. Like if you're a guy who's like, I don't give a fuck about what anybody says. If they don't finish the game, fuck that guy. Okay, fine. That's totally fair. You can make that judgment. And I've told you up front, I didn't finish XYZ game. Sometimes I finish a game. Sometimes I don't. That's just the way we roll at Game Critics. But we tell you. It's not a secret, right? So I just, I just, these days, I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. Life is too precious. Time is too precious. Free time is too precious. Energy is too precious. Like I just, I just don't finish a game out of spite anymore like if i'm playing a game and it's good i will play it for as many hours as it takes i mean look at witcher 3 i put like 130 hours in that game enjoyed it all the way through thought it was fantastic look at monster hunter i've spent probably more than more than a thousand hours in that series because i think it's really fun and i enjoy it but when it comes to games i don't like if i don't like it i'm not going to spend my fucking lifespan on it that's just not how this is working anymore so before i move on Corey, where are you at in this continuum are you still that dude who's got something to prove like, do you feel like you need to, like, finish every game? Or, like, where are you at, man? Uh, if you had asked me maybe, like, five years ago, maybe, like, seven years ago, I probably would have been like, yeah. If, if I were reviewing a game, I for certain would, would say that I would have had to finish every single game. But uh, as of late, uh, no to all of the above. I don't think... Um, if I'm not enjoying a game, I mean, as we just discussed with Yakuza, as we talked about with The Last Guardian a week or two ago, um, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I'm not going to sit around and play a game just because, oh, I've already put in 10 hours. I only need to put seven more hours in to beat it. So, you know, I'm this far in. Why not? Why stop now? I don't really have that attitude unless I'm really enjoying a game. Or, I mean, if I'm if I think a game is good and not magical, I probably will finish it. But if it's, like, bad uh, or if I'm just totally bored or not enjoying myself, then I will 
not uh, I will not finish the game um but that's more of a recent development for the for me even though it probably like dates back maybe like seven years or so um but yeah I'm kind of right there with you yeah it makes sense I mean I kind of think that mentality I mean not to stereotype not to stereotype but I'm going to stereotype anyway I think that's really just like a young guy kind of thing like guys who like are not feeling their mortality yet who maybe haven't been around the block who maybe haven't had you know a lot of knocks from life or something I mean maybe that's not true but it seems like these guys who get really fucking bent out of shape about it are the guys who have, like, shitloads of free time, who just, like, sit around on Reddit or whatever and have, you know, they have the time and energy to get mad about trivial things. Um, you know, okay, maybe that's not fair, but that's kind of how I perceive this to be. So, you know, if I'm wrong, write in, let me know I'm wrong, tell me why I'm wrong, et cetera, et cetera, all that bullshit. But that's kind of how I, I, that's kind of how I see it these days. So, anyway, that was kind of where my big flame-up point with uh, Horizon was. And that kind of brings me back to... The game that I am doing my best to not talk about right now, which is Valkyrie Drive Bikuni. B-H-I-K-K-H-U-N-I. Uh, this is one of, uh, I mean, one of the final PS Vita games to be released. I mean, I know there's still kind of like a slow trickle of Vita games coming, but this was like one of the final, like more notable ones, I think. Uh, it comes from developers Marvelous, who I actually kind of like their games they got famous with another series called senran kagura which is about a bunch of like ninjas who have like incredibly huge breasts and they (laughs) they uh knock the clothes off of each other while they do their ninja moves and it's kind of like a a dynasty warriors um on a much smaller scale and much more focus on the female anatomy it's a titillation game like to be sure like there's no there's no no hiding it no mistaking it uh, the developers are very upfront. I mean, the developer, I forget the name of the guy who is producing that series, but he's like, I love boobs, man. I'm all about boobs. And I'm going to make a game about boobs because I love boobs. And he's just like, he wears it. He owns it, right? So it's fine. I think that's fine. Um, I think that there's a time and a place for that stuff. I think it's uh, appropriate to the right audience. I think it's very possible to have absolute respect for women and think that they are your equal in every way. And at the same time, still want to watch a girl bouncing on a trampoline. Nothing wrong with that. I think both of those things can happen at the same time concurrently those are not conflicting in my mind so anyway um i heard this was another game from those same guys the same guys who make senran kagura which i really like i like that series a lot uh and this one came out for the vita and and also being kind of like one of the final vita games i'm like well i love my vita i want to check out every last good game that's going to come out for this system especially if it's kind of in the same vein um as you may imagine valkyrie drive bakuni a bunch of female ninjas, they're all impossibly endowed, they bounce a lot, they knock the clothes off of each other. It seems on paper to be more of the same but with a different rapper, but it is actually not. Um, they have the Marvelous, the developers have a different partner for this game. Uh, I forget the name. It's not the same people as the Senran Kagura people, so they have a different partner for this one, and it shows. Um, with Senran, it's like the, the girls kind of wink, wink and nudge, nudge. Like everybody's like in on the joke. Like there's a lot of uh, innuendo back and forth. No one takes it very seriously. There's a lot of funny uh, lines. And then when you finally get to the end of the game, it actually usually has a very, very good storyline. I know it seems impossible about a game where girls just bounce their boobs all over the place. <laughs> but there's been a couple games in the Senran series where like the story has actually been really, really genuinely good. So I've appreciated that. And in Valkyrie Drive, that is just not there. Um, the combat system is basically the same. It's kind of like a Dynasty Warriors alike. Um, a few tweaks to it, but basically that's what you're doing. Uh, I just don't care for it, though. It feels like there are these slight changes to it that just kind of make it distasteful to me. 
And the story is so boring. And I know it probably sounds weird, like, hey, aren't you coming to this game for the boobs? I mean, sort of, but at the same time, I kind of, I don't want to be bored by the cutscenes. Like, I want to be, you know, laughing or, you know, have a couple jokes or something, or at least or at least get to know the characters and have the characters have a personality. Um, in the Sandrand games, I know all the characters very well. They all are very distinct. They all have their quirks. And you get to know them over a course of a series of games. And, like, you know, you have your favorites, and you kind of expect certain behavior from people. And it's, it's fun. It's good times. Uh, in this one, like, I couldn't tell anybody apart. Like, they had, like, zero personality. And they all had kind of the same body shape. So, like, there wasn't really a lot dis- distinguishing them that way. And I noticed that I, I just started skipping the cutscenes, like, almost almost immediately. Like, they would start talking, and I would zone out. And I'm a story guy. Like, I like story. Um, even mediocre story, I'll kind of want to see where it's going just from a writing perspective, which is to see what twist they come up with. But with this one, I was like, oh, Jesus, I, I can't. I can't read this. I can't watch this. I just, I don't care what you look like. I cannot hear you talking anymore. So that was like a really bad, really bad way to start the game was just like skipping the cutscenes. And the other thing that's really weird about this game is that they have this like fucking ridiculous story about viruses and like these girls can't control the virus and they got to fight to keep the virus under control and blah, 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 blah. I mean, whatever, whatever. But they do this twist of where the girls fight in pairs and like one of the girls turns into a weapon and the other one uses it. And I'm like, well, that's dumb, but okay. And it's not like they turn into like, they just like, they just straight up turn into like a sword or like a gauntlet or something. Like it's, there's nothing bio or natural about it they just like magically turn into this like you know perfect weapon which i think is really weird and there's no real hook to it it's just like the character using all of a sudden has a weapon that's it like there's no uh real exploration of like what that would be to really partner with somebody or like the weapon itself didn't have any good twist to it i just got it just seemed like a bunch of shit thrown into a game just that wasn't really ironed out wasn't really thought through and it just seemed like they really wanted to have the same kind of success that Senran has, but it's just not. It's just not the same thing. As much as it seems like it is, it's not. So I cooled off on it really quick. And in fact, I got it from Gamefly. I'd been waiting for it for like a couple months because uh, it was in high demand. And I finally got it, played it for like maybe an hour, hour and a half. And I sent it back because it was just so fucking boring. So I guess it just goes to show that, you know, no matter how much bounces in your game, that it's not going to make up for uh, the fact that the other things may not be fully uh, developed or fully, you know, thought through. The system's just not great. Story, not great. Character's not great. Yeah, it's just, you know, boobs or not, it's just not a great game. So that was kind of a kind of a letdown. Corey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is exactly your kind of thing. What do you think? <laughs> uh, so are you the kind of person that whenever you watch porn, you like have to know why she needs her dishwasher fixed before they have sex? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. But if they mention it, I'm not offended. You know, if they want to talk about it a little bit, that's fine. <laughs> I do want to know what toppings are on the pizza, though. That's always very important. Oh, God. Like the sausage pizza? It's always sausage. I mean, spoilers, it's always sausage. But, you know, I, I still want to know. Although one of these days it'll be like pepperoni. Or it'll be like, you know, it'll be like a veggie or something. And then it'll, everybody will be thrown for a loop. So I'm waiting for that oh day. But <laughs> Anyway, this kind of makes me think, Corey. Um I know that there's a, a large percentage of people out there in the journo sphere, the, the game critic sphere, where they'll look at a game that is obviously like a titillating game, a, an anime girl game, a sexy girl game or whatever. And they'll just, they'll just like write it off right off the bat. Like, and it kind of makes me think it's like 
you know, porn is not right for every people or every person, but porn has a place. Like, you know, certain people can can digest that material and it's fine. They use it appropriately. It doesn't hurt anybody. Same thing for these kind of games. I think that not every game is right for every person. Just like not every person should play a horror game or not every person should play a shooter. Not every person is going to want to play like a booby game. But, you know, for some people, it's fine. Like that's if you're an adult and this is, you know, you can choose your content. I think it's fine to have that there. And I think it's unfortunate that some critics like slag that stuff off as being automatically disrespectful of, uh, of females or automatically sexist. I mean, I think certain games are. That's for sure. I'm not saying that every booby game is a good game, but I think that some games really uh, do an appropriate uh, piece of work with it. I mean, I think the Sandran games are very good. I would hold those up as good examples. But I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel that sex has like a place in games? I mean, do you feel like it's weird? Is it something that should be avoided? Are you, you're okay with it? I mean, I don't. What, what's your take on it? Well, okay, so originally I thought I wasn't going to have any a whole lot to say about this, but now that we're actually talking through it, I do have some things. I want to do like a, like a devil's advocate kind of thing right now. So Let's do, let's do. So in my honest opinion, I actually pretty much agree with you. Like I think, you know, having this genre of game is okay. I think it's fine. Um, you know, if people want to play, if you're a man or a woman and you want to play a game that has a character that is a woman or several women with her big old boobies, you know, flopping around all over the place while you fight people, then like, hey, that is a-okay. But what I think some of the problems are is that um, one of the first problems is that a lot of people might not see these games as sort of, well they they will see these games as sort of like like sexist even if they are or not because um i mean the video game development sp- sphere just like uh hollywood the movie making sphere just like i mean almost humanity in general um it's a boys club and and you know x percent of video game developers are men uh most you know protagonists in video games are men they're white men you know with brown hair and a grizzly voice like and I think that one thing that a lot of critics are getting tired of, or just video game players in general, is just seeing this boys club continually produce games that are um, that either don't have women in them at all, or have women in very limited roles, or if they do have women, they are like hypersexualized. They're you know a size zero, you know, with impossibly thin you know arms and legs and brown hair that is you know magically swaying in the distance like in the tomb raider reboots or it's video games like the ones you're talking about where it's like you know big boobies flopping around everywhere you know that kind of stuff and i think it turns a lot of people off because i feel like a lot of women or basically anybody that's not a straight man might look at that and say oh well it's just a bunch of gross men projecting their male gaze onto their video game development studio and making a game that's about you know that's about like you know, basically like big busted women. It's kind of like the Ninja Gaiden games. You know, every woman in those games is like a ninja with like huge tits. And I think that it is very off-putting for some women uh, or for, you know, like anybody who's not a straight man to kind of continually see that trend over and over again. And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, the obvious answer here is to have, is, you know, for for women, for, you know, a, a video game developer or for women in games development to make games that will sexualize men equally. But I actually don't think that's the right answer because, like, I mean, women probably, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to generalize here because I don't know for sure, but I feel like men playing as women with big boobies so that way they can, like, you know, look at these ridiculously proportioned women and their big boobies. Like, women do not see that and think, oh man, I want to play a game as a dude with a big old wiener flopping around everywhere so that I can see his junk and his big old package. Like, I don't think that's the right answer. I think that women want to be, 
um, represented in video games in a much more realistic and humanized and personal light rather than just being seen as uh, character models that a bunch of men sitting in a boardroom decide that that's what they think is sexy um, and so that's what they're going to make for the game. But on the flip side, the, I guess this is like a third devil's advocate. The other devil. The, uh, the other devil yeah. shows up. <laughs> this is the meat monster devil. Um, <laughs> this is uh, that there is a such thing, and this is something I believe in too, as a very sex positive feminist view. And a lot of this, uh, like I heard a lot of discussions about this whenever the Bayonetta games came out, because Bayonetta is a very sexualized hero in her games. She, her suit is made of hair. When she attacks people and does special moves, the hair comes off of her body and it forms like weapons or whatever around her. So she gradually gets like more and more naked as she's fighting. And I know there was like a big, there's a big um, kind of like clash in the feminist sphere where the, you have sex positive fe- uh, feminists that say, uh, that are women that say, oh, yeah, I love playing a character like Bayonetta because she she is a strong woman and she brandishes her sexuality the way she sees fit. And, you know, feminism in and of itself is about being is about having the choice to do whatever you want. It's about being a woman and being able to say, OK, I choose to be sexy. I choose to wear a bikini, you know, in this video game. I choose to to put my character in this sexy armor or I choose to wear a floor-length dress with long sleeves, or I choose to be a smart, uh, you know, I choose to be intelligent, or both, you choose to be sexy and intelligent, and there's, I mean, this came up just as frequently as last week, uh, Emma Watson was on the cover of, like, uh, Vanity Fair or something, or, like, Glamour or something like that, where she did a photo shoot uh, promoting uh, Sleeping Beauty, where she was topless, she had, like, a little, like, a crop jacket on with no bra, and she was showing, like, some major underboob, and there was, like, a big stupid discussion about, like, oh, well, does that, like, upend her feminism? Because she's, like, really big on, you know, he for she and feminism and all that stuff. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, she she appeared topless on a magazine, so obviously she can't be a feminist. But that's, like, to- like people are missing the forest for the fucking trees because feminism is about having the choice to do whatever you want and... And, you know, the I feel like I'm just running in circles right now. Like, there's a lot of sex-positive feminists that are okay with playing a, a character who is who is sexy, who maybe might not be wearing a lot of clothes. And then there's a lot of uh, women out there who are offended by that, or maybe even other men or something. I'm trying not to generalize, but it's hard, uh, it's hard not to speaking through this, where, you know, they don't want every single video game out there to just be like a bunch of white dudes and then one woman wearing a bikini or, you know, one woman who's a size zero, you know, with long, dark hair or whatever. And I I feel like we're still the, the video game development sphere will always and forever be working toward a continuum on trying to equalize the amount of men and women protagonists and characters in general in video games and how they're treated and what they do. Um, and I feel like. Uh, like I feel like Bethesda is doing a pretty good job recently with their games because like in Dishonored 2 for example you can play as Corvo or as uh, his daughter I can't remember her name right now Um, you can play as a man or a woman in both of them and for more or less they have a little bit of different um, abilities but more or less you're still playing as the same person or like in Portal for example you're playing as a woman but the game is not about her being a woman at all but you're still playing as a strong woman or Mirror's Edge where Faith is not sexualized in any way, shape, or form, but she is a beautiful, strong, capable woman. And, like, Prey that's coming out in May, um, they revealed that you can play as... There's, like, the Asian guy, or you can play as the Asian woman, and I'm sure that the games will play very similar, but you have the choice to play 
whichever character you want rather than just being stuck with the same white man for every game so i don't that was like a really long rant but that's kind of how i feel about like maybe how different people who are not straight men who just want to look at big old boobies like how they feel about the video game sphere and about how women are represented in games i think well i don't disagree i think that pretty much everything you said is something that i agree with i think for sure that not every woman in every game needs to be sexualized. I, you know, I think that is not appropriate. It's not something that I think is realistic. It doesn't make for a good game. So I think we're on board. I think we're on the same, on the same page about that. Uh, and I, I definitely am a feminist. I definitely believe that women are, are equal and that women should be, you know, I, I don't think that, I mean, maybe some women want the floppy dong game. So I mean, maybe some don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't presume to guess for, for women, but I think it's totally fine if that thing exists or whatever, you know, maybe they just want some romance games or I don't, I don't know. I don't know what would be an analog to that. I mean, I know there's different kinds of sex positive games being made in the indie scene right now. And I think those are great. Um, like stuff that, uh, Christine Love is doing and, uh, um, and Anthropy has done some stuff. So those are, those are great. And I'm totally in support of those. I definitely don't, don't think that a bikini girl should be the norm when it comes to characters in every game. Um, I just think that we're kind of maybe I get why we're swinging that way, but I think it's okay to have like a, a like a wank material genre. Like it's it's just kind of known. Like you know, I want to play Tomb Raider, and Laura's like a strong. She's not wearing a bikini. She's killing dudes. She's all about it. She's capable. Love that game. That's fine. Support it. At the same time, maybe I maybe you know maybe I'm just in that mood. I want like some wank material, and that's it's okay for that stuff to exist. You know, like everybody knows what it is, and it's fine. And it, it, it doesn't need to be eradicated from the game sphere. It can just be in its own little channel or its own little genre. And that's fine, too. You know, like, I think it's okay for all this stuff to exist at the same time. It's kind of where I'm coming from. But um, everything you said, yes, I definitely agree. So <laughs> anyway, so I guess I guess um, maybe this is like an inappropriate question. But like, you know, uh, like, like, have you ever played a game where you're like, man, that dude is that dude is is hot. Like what? Has there been like a game where that's kind of appealed to you as a gay man that's got some some gay appeal, G appeal, dude appeal? <laughs> uh, I I actually think the only game because I tend to not be attracted to like uh like avatars or like characters who are not like real like real humans. Um, but I think the only video game character that I've ever been remotely attracted to was the uh, reimagined Dante in DMC, the Devil May Cry reboot that came out a few years ago, because um, I don't even really know what it is about him. I just think that he's like young and like slender and sexy and he's got like a cool haircut. And the thing that really disappointed me about this game, about that game, and this is something I actually wrote about on my blog like a couple of years ago, is that I feel like they could have really gone somewhere with his character and made him bisexual in the game to be more or maybe like maybe like pansexual even because the the game makes him out to be this like super big like drinking sexual deviant and that's why all the you know devils are trying to get him and pull him down to hell and all that stuff and and then like you get into the flux of the game and he like he's like a white dude and he falls for the white woman who's in the game and like that's all there is to it and i feel like they really could have gone somewhere if they would have like expanded his sexuality more and maybe included like a couple of dudes in his orgy pictures because there's like all this promotional material where he's like sitting on his throne with his shirt off and it's like a bunch of women like at his feet like clawing up trying to get to him at the throne and it's like why didn't you throw some dudes in there like they could have very easily made him bisexual with like almost no effort and it immediately would have opened up his sexuality and his um his uh i guess like um what's the word i'm looking for like people i feel like other people would have enjoyed that like like a broader appeal like more yeah more, like yeah, yeah. 
it would have been a broader appeal because like i mean he is a very sexy man and he's very capable and he doesn't look like your normal you know 35 or 45 year old like grizzled sam fisher joel um you know from the last of us like like metal gear solid like that kind of thing because i feel like that whole like subset of male video game protagonists like are not sexy in any way shape or form like i've never been remotely attracted to you know a solid snake haha um or (laughs) or like or like joel or you know sam fisher or anybody like that or even like Geralt from uh from the the witcher like i just think they're all just so like like i've seen it you know six thousand times so with dmc it was at least refreshing to get like a really young like fit like kind of silly like doesn't take himself too seriously um video game protagonist and also helps in like the first cutscene of the game he like wakes up naked in his trailer and he's like jumping through in slow motion to like dive into his clothes whenever the uh there's like a demon that like hits his rv or something and i i kind of liked that the developers weren't afraid to like go there kind of like with him because it doesn't show him like naked but it like almost does and i feel like that's the kind of stuff you usually see with women in games where it's like oh here's like like eva in Metal Gear solid 3 she leaves her you know jumpsuit unzipped for half the game so you can see her bra and her cleavage and stuff like that and and like that's usually like a thing that they do with women they sexualize them whereas the men you know they're always like hardened you know combat vets so it was kind of cool to see him be like kind of like young and sexualized in that regard and i but i still like i wish they just would have made him bisexual like would it would it have hurt anything to make him like interested in men as well as women i feel like it wouldn't have other than you know all the crybaby gamergate boys out there being like oh he can't be he can't be bisexual oh he's dante but i mean fuck those guys (laughs) It's probably the same dudes that are really pissed off that he didn't finish Horizon. It's that same subset of guys who just <laughs> can't handle the thought that someone might have a different sexuality. I agree with you, dude. I think it would be great. I'm all for more diversity when it comes to that. We get plenty of straight white hero dudes. We've got more than our quota. I'm happy to see other other orientations and you know, other genders, other things explored. I think there's room for all of that in gaming and more. So I, I think we're on the same page about that. So, all right, that was a pretty good discussion. And just to kind of bring it back around full circle, because I kind of gave Valkyrie Drive some short shrift. Um, in case <laughs> it didn't come across when I was talking about that game specifically, uh, yeah, I don't recommend it. I think it's really boring. I think it's a really bad example of the booby genre. I do not uh, do not think it's great. I think that's a perfect example of a game where the sex appeal is not enough to save it, because it's really fucking dull. And if you are in the market for something like that, and if you're a consenting adult, and you can participate in that kind of content without demeaning women... Um, I think that the most recent Senran Kagura game, which is Estival Versus, is a great game. Really funny. Great gameplay. It's got a lot of uh, sex appeal, too, but it's also got some heart and really good characters. That's something that I would uh, I would recommend. And the new Senran game is coming out soon. Um, it's called Peach Beach Blast, I think, in Japan, but they're changing that name for something else. So, obviously, more swimsuits are going to be involved. You get the drift. But uh, if you want some wank material... It's there. I'm glad it's there. It can exist in its own genre. But again, I don't want every game to be wank material as long as we're clear on that. But uh, yeah, stay away from Valkyrie Drive. And uh, <laughs> ah, I think I think I'm gonna talk out, man. You got anything else you want to bring up before we uh, bring it home? You know, I have to say, I I'm kind of shocked that. Well, maybe not because you know it's you and me. But I I'm kind of shocked that we went through this entire show without talking about the Nintendo Switch, considering it launched between our last show and the show. 
Oh, yeah, that thing. That thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck about the Switch. This is going to sound awful, but um, I use, uh, sometimes I use TweetBot on my phone for my Twitter app. And the thing that I love about TweetBot is that you can mute individual words from showing up in your timeline, and you can bet your ass right around the time the Switch launched, I added the words Nintendo, the word Switch, the word Zelda, uh, the the letters B-O-T-W for Breath of the Wild to my list, because I like I want people to enjoy the Nintendo Switch, and I, I hope that people like it, and I want people to enjoy Zelda, but... Whenever I'm scrolling through my Twitter timeline, I do not want to see 5,000 screenshots of Breath of the Wild in my face for like an hour straight. I am just not interested in that game. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'll, I'll play it at some point. I'll probably play it for Wii U because I've heard it's basically the exact same game. Like, you're not missing anything by playing it on Wii U. But yeah, the love for Breath of the Wild is, you know, as expected. As expected, a little bit out of hand. I mean, everybody's saying it's the second coming of Christ. It's They're falling in love with games again for the first time. They discovered who they are. They, you know, they, they found love again. They understand humanity. <laughs> like, all these fucking platitudes. And it's like, I, I, I get you guys are Zelda fans, and that's good. Like, uh, like good old Gary said earlier, you know, I, I don't want to take that from you. Wouldn't take it if I could. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I got kind of sick of it, and I got tired of people telling me, like, it's the real deal, it's the best game ever, best Zelda ever, best Nintendo game ever, like, I just, okay, like, I get it, I believe you, I believe you're having a good time, that's awesome, uh, but yeah, the constant, like, cheerleading is getting a little bit overwhelming, and on top of that, um, you know, like, the, the reports of the Switch, like, launching early, like, people are saying that the screen gets scratched when you put it in and out of the dock, that seems like a no-brainer. If you're going to have a dock, you don't have your screen scratched by putting it in. The The reports of the left Joy-Con, like, desyncing or not being able to work when it's uh, with a unit. I mean, what's what the fuck? Like, it seems like they really rushed this thing out. It seems like it's not ready for prime time. So I'm glad I didn't get one. Uh, I will probably get one when Monster Hunter launches on it, which I'm sure is inevitable. But that time is not now. And I'm waiting maybe for, like, Switch 2.0 or whatever. But, yeah, in the meantime, I kind of I kind of don't care. There's not a lot for us to talk about, I don't think. I mean, I'm not lining up. You're not lining up. We're not either one of us huge Nintendo fans. I mean, I guess Switch is a thing. It's a thing now. It's a real thing you can buy, but eh. Well, you know what upcoming game is getting really good review scores that I know that you're excited about? It currently has a 90 on Metacritic. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're going to say near? I'm going to say near. I'm downloading that fucker. Well, not right now, because otherwise we won't be able to record because it kills my internet. But tonight, downloading it tonight, started this morning, couldn't download it because of uh, XYZ reasons, and I've just been like downloading it in 15, 20-minute stretches all day long. I'm going <laughs> to kick it off tonight when I go to bed. It's going to be ready to roll tomorrow. I'm psyched, dude. I'm psyched. What's your? Have we talked about Nier before? Do you, what's your stance yeah, on Nier? We, we played the demo, and we talked about it together like a month ago on the show. But the what was your what did, did you play the first one? I can't recall. Oh yeah, we've talked about this like three times. I thought the first one was garbage. Oh god! All right. However, we're not gonna... <laughs> I am very excited for the second one. I need to put it on my game for like you tonight because I definitely do want to play that game. I'm psyched, man. Yoko Taro, great writer. I love what he did with the first year. Super, super, super loved it. I'm really excited. Um, people that I trust who enjoyed the first one like I did are telling me he delivers the goods again. And from what I saw in that demo, Platinum seems to be on their game. I mean, they're kind of hit or miss, but they seem to be on point this time. It's man, it's, it's looking good. Reviews are real good. I, I'm hopeful. I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I am hopeful. 
I have one last thing to say before we do our official sign off. I Let's feel see. like I keep dragging this out. What is it? Uh, like I said earlier, Patrick moved. He already flew out to New Orleans, and I'm going out later. Well, he left pretty much everything here whenever he flew out because, you know, he can't pack a bunch of shit to take on an airplane. And he's staying at Airbnbs for a few nights while he's there before he finds uh, an official place to live. And tonight he went out to Target and bought a PlayStation 4 Pro. So our household is officially the owners of two PlayStation 4s, oh, much like yours. Oh, shit. Welcome to the club, big guy. Yep. So now I don't have to sit around and be bored when he plays Overwatch for five hours a night. Now I can be just as out of tune with reality as he is and sit at a different TV in a different room and play a different PlayStation 4. Well, that's what brings uh, couples closer together, my friend. Mutual <laughs> checkout time. That's what. Well, that's maybe, what... maybe someday you and him and me and your wife will be able to play something together. Now that we have four PS4s among the four of us, that would be sweet. I'm sure there is something we could play multiplayer that would be a good time. That would be amazing. So right on, right on. I look forward to some PS Plus or PS what PS Pro PS Pro PS impressions. Pro. Let's talk about it next time once you get your, uh, well, you know, whenever you get your hands on it and you uh, put it through spaces. I hear there's some weird stuff in there. I kind of want to explore that, but I don't want to pay the price. So you will be some my... weird stuff? Yeah, like all these fucking extra settings and weird things you got to dick around with when you want to, you know, before you start a game. All sorts of weird, like, I hear it's not as, as user-friendly as people were expecting it to be, but I don't oh, know firsthand. I haven't, I haven't experimented with it yet because I, I have not taken the plunge, but uh, I guess we shall find out. Yeah, I probably, um, because if we record on Sunday, it'll probably be two weeks out, um, I'll be able to play it for the first time, because I'm not leaving until, for like a week and a day, probably, um, but the other cool thing is that Patrick, I think, is kind of hot to buy a new TV now that he has a PS Pro, Pro, because our TV only does 720p, because it's kind of old, but I have a feeling that he's going to take the plunge on a 4K, and we're going to be able to, like, really max that ps4 pro out with like hdr and whatever other like special shit it does um so that'll be pretty neat i'll definitely keep you posted on that in a couple weeks whenever it uh whenever all that pans out damn you guys are gonna be upgrading wow i I look forward to hearing all the uh fancy stories of like your eyes melting and you guys being blown away by the technological (laughs) marvels I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe it'll just be massively underwhelming and I'll come back and be like, nah, I couldn't tell the difference. Whatever. <laughs> we spent $6,000 and it was just, you know, okay. The blacks were kind of blacker. Whatevs. <laughs> I guess we'll see. All right. We should probably wrap it up. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Before we go, I would like to remind every listener, uh, number one, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming aboard and listening to our bullshit every week. I really appreciate that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, for real. Like, and there's plenty of it this week. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show, as a collective, at sovideogames. And you can also reach us individually. I am at Brad Galloway, all A's, no O's. Corey, where can they find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am at Corey Motley, and that is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y, like the Motley crew. Right on, right on. Just less hair, less girls. So uh, (laughs) thanks very much for listening this week, and this is going to be bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week.